I was born again in 1975 by God speaking a word to me in the night. He said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I cried out, sins? I thought they were mistakes. I had not seen myself as a sinner prior to that. I had seen myself as making mistakes. Shortly after that, in the night, God took me to into heaven. There I was with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me again. After this, I was totally on fire for the Word of God. I owned a business in Dallas, Texas, but I was no longer interested in the business. All I wanted to do was read the Bible go to church, and be with Christians. For the next four years, I continued with the business, but my interest was in things of God. I wanted to learn as much as I could about things of God not knowing anything at all about the Holy Spirit or the working of God, I tried to enroll in Dallas Theological Seminary not because I wanted to be a minister. I just wanted to study the Bible. I wanted to hear them speak of the Bible. But I was told because I was a woman I couldn't enroll in Dallas Seminary. But they learned I had an earned doctorate in education. So they invited me to come to the seminary and sit in the classes, any class I wanted to, and help with the preacher boys because they were. They said to me they were terrible at preaching and maybe I could help them. In the meantime, I could hear all of the things the people were teaching. I don't remember much from that period of time. I doubt that they were teaching much that was really of the Spirit of God. For if it's of the Spirit of God, you can't forget it. But I did do that for a little while. God also was teaching me very strongly about things of God when I would read the Bible. Or he would bring to my mind a certain scripture and I would go to that and he would open it up for me and explain it to me. That was the Holy Spirit teaching me. Jesus said... They that are of God will be taught by God. And unless they learn from God, they won't come to me. That's in John chapter 6. I didn't know those things at that time. I had almost no church background. My parents did not go to church. They didn't have a Bible in the house until I was five years old. Someone gave me a Bible for my birthday. My favorite aunt was a Church of Christ member, and I did go to church with her when we visited in the city where she lived. 
And the things I remember being taught at Church of Christ is they were teaching they were the only church. All the other church were Antichrist. They were the only church. Well, it turns out that all the churches were Antichrist, including Church of Christ. God taught me that years later. Antichrist had already come into the churches. Paul said that would happen. And even in the days of Paul, and he spoke to the elders at Ephesus, and he said, some of you are just waiting until I go. And when I go, you will come in and speak perverse things to draw away disciples after yourself. That's in Acts 20. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2 said, you've heard of Antichrist. There are already many Antichrists among us. Usually what would happen is they would leave them after they saw they couldn't change the doctrines. But John explained there were already many Antichrists. Paul told us it would get worse and worse toward the end times. 2,000 years later, we are in the end times. Antichrist is everywhere in all of these denominations where they have set up other doctrines. So here I am in 1975 to 1980 being taught by God, eventually having it revealed to me by God that I was called and set in the body of Christ as an apostle. The people have already said I was a prophet in the churches where I attended. The pastor himself, Robert Tilton at Word of Faith, from the pulpit said, Joan is not called as a teacher, she's a prophet. And that was correct, although I never told anybody at Word of Faith that I was either an apostle or a prophet. They could tell what I was by what happened. God kept giving me gifts of the Holy Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And when I shared these gifts, the people recognized the hand of God was strongly upon me. I never told anyone there about being taken into heaven twice. It just didn't occur to me to do so. And I certainly didn't tell anyone that God had told me I was an apostle and that he had shown me I was a prophet. I didn't tell anyone that either. Even our Bible teacher, I didn't tell him that. When you are called as a minister, God makes a way for that ministry to come forth. I had basically three strikes against me. One, I was a woman. Two, God had told me I was an apostle. And three, he had told me I was a prophet. Even in the churches where they said there were apostles and prophets, I couldn't even find anyone who knew anyone who was an apostle. Nor could I find anyone who knew what apostles did. But they did teach that there were apostles in the church that I attended. They taught there were prophets, but not much happened with anybody who was said to be a prophet. Basically, they didn't let them speak. A real prophet cannot be controlled by human beings. A real prophet is trained by God and speaks the word of God. And so the pastors are basically afraid of real prophets because they can't control them. 
You can't guarantee what they're going to speak. You don't know what they're going to speak. So that sets the stage for that which is to come. Here I am, appointed by God, ordained by God, taken into heaven twice and merged into the body of Jesus, being made one with the Word of God. In 1979, a man came to me from the church group. He came to my business and he said, Joan, I have a word for you. You are dragging your feet. You know you're supposed to be in the ministry, but you're still operating a business. That, I'm sure, had an effect on me. By July 31st, 1979, I closed my business in Dallas, sold all the merchandise, I was able for the next few months to live on the merchandise without any income. I closed my business and went into the ministry, which simply meant closing your business. I just stayed in my apartment all day and read the Bible. I went to church. I went to the prayer group. God did various things in both places to teach me the ways of God as well as to raise me up and teach me to present word of knowledge and word of wisdom, which he often gave to me, and I had a gift of exhortation. There was no place for me to actually go or work or anything for me to do, so to speak, in the ministry. From July 31st, 1979, to January 10th, I did the same thing. I just read the Bible, meditated on the scriptures that stood out to me. Attended church, attended a prayer group. That's what I did. On January the 10th, 1980, in the night, I was awakened with a very loud trumpet-like voice speaking into my ear three words Hartford Seattle KWJS I jumped out of bed I wrote KWJS on a notepad beside my bed because it sounded to me like call letters to either radio or television and I didn't want to get those letters mixed up I said to God, well, that, well, first I looked this up, KWJS, and I found it was a radio station in the Dallas area. I said to God, are you showing me, telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. I heard immediately, call the radio station manager. That was the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. That morning when I thought the businesses would be open, I did call and I asked to speak to the radio station manager and I said to him, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? He said, make an audition tape, 
29 and a half minutes long and send it to me. And if you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract. Immediately that same morning, I got a recorder, sat down, got my kitchen timer, made a tape 29 and a half minutes long, sent it to him, and they immediately offered me a contract to broadcast five days a week on radio station KWJS. I'd never heard a radio broadcast uh, on that type of radio broadcast. I'd never heard a religious radio broadcast. And even after I signed a contract, I didn't hear a religious radio broadcast because God had been leading me for the previous five years to listen to him and follow him, not to follow other humans. So I was pretty thoroughly trained by God. I would just set the kitchen timer for 29 and a half minutes. I would pray asking God to please give me what he wanted me to say. I would start the broadcast by saying, this is Dr. Joan Boney speaking, and I would just start talking. Whatever the Holy Spirit called to my mind, whether it was a scripture or whether it was a story or a concept, whatever was called to my mind, that's what I spoke. People from the radio audience sent money to pay for the broadcast. The broadcast on KWJS at that point in time cost $800 a month. There was an excess of money, and when I would find excess of money, then I would consider going to another city and going on radio. I think Houston was my second city that I went on radio. And then when there was enough money, I added a third city, which was Oklahoma City. You may remember that the word that I had spoken to me that night was Hartford Seattle KWJS. Looking back on it, I think this meant I was going to go on radio from coast to coast, from basically New York City to Seattle, which is exactly what happened. What my pattern was is I would go into the city where I was on radio. I would go in six weeks after I started the broadcast and have a meeting for the radio audience. At Oklahoma City, the radio station manager said to me, well, I've never seen anyone do this. Usually they wait six months or so before coming into town to have a meeting. I've never seen anyone come in six weeks after they began on radio. Well, I felt that's the way I was being led. So that's what I always did. When you're following God, and following the Spirit of God, you might have an exact word, and then sometimes you just have a feeling that this is what you need to do. I've had both happen many times. But everything always worked out. It was... Incredible. Usually when I would go on radio, there'd be 150 people or so show up at the first meeting. And then from there, the numbers went up considerably. 
Finally, I was, uh, oh, at one point, an idea came to me, which I feel quite certain was from God. And that was, it was a plan, really. I called it Purchasing a City. And I announced to my radio audience that if they wanted to purchase a city for me to go on radio, it would take a $1,000 offering, which would go to pay the radio bills for the first month. And I gave them a list of cities which they could select. And incredibly, just people bought cities. And at, all at once, I was on 10 or 15 radio stations at one time, that new stations. Then those radio station people would have to give offerings to keep supporting the ministry to keep me on radio. So it grew very fast from coast to coast. Looking back on the whole thing, it's pretty miraculous to me because prophets are not people that frankly, pastors want to have come to their churches. They can't control them. I've had many pastors ask me not to come to their church. I've never tried to force my way into a church, but I've often been told by pastors that they did not want me to come to their church. Prophets bring correction to the church. That's what they did in the Old Testament. That's what they do in the New Testament. One time I was having lunch with a a couple of Baptist women. And one of them began talking to me and said, we have a woman at our church that is, every time the pastor does something, she is against it. What do you think might be wrong with that woman? And out of my mouth came, Maybe she's a prophet. That's exactly what happens with prophets. These church people dream up all kinds of works to do. And if it's a real prophet there, God will often have that prophet speak against the work that that pastor has decided to do. Prophets do those things. They bring correction. They try to turn you to the way of God. The flesh takes you in a very exciting, interesting, religious way, but the prophet's going to try to turn you back to God. Therefore, they're not popular because they're not praising you. They are trying to turn you to the Word of God. For example, a prophet would never approve Things in the Catholic Church like crosses and lighting of candles and calling their priest father. Because Jesus said, call no man father. Because these things that they do in the Catholic Church like that, they're not in the Bible to do them. Therefore, a prophet will never approve those things. A prophet will not approve calling preachers reverend because it is not in the Bible to do those things. In the Bible, the preachers are, of Jesus are called apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, Ephesians 5, chapter 4, verses 11, 12. 
After the resurrection, Jesus set up the New Testament church, and he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. No, there are no ministers of music. There are no choir directors. There's no entertainment. There's none of this planned stuff. The church was supposed to be whichever person had the word of God would speak it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together in the church, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. See, the Holy Spirit was to be free to speak through whoever he willed. Man changed that. They set up platforms and had only the approved people to speak. The other people in the congregation were not free to speak. The Holy Spirit was basically shut out of the church. And very little came forth from God in the meetings. Sunday school classes were a little more, there was a little more opportunity. At our Sunday school class, our teacher always said, does anyone have a word from the Lord? That gave the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak through whom he willed in the class. But that never happened at the 11 o'clock service. Never once. Man set up the church to keep only the approved people, allow them to speak. If Jesus Christ himself attended the church service on Sunday morning, he would not be permitted to speak to the church. You can think about that the next time you go to your church meeting. Would Jesus be permitted to speak freely to this church group? Most churches have set it up in a way where there is no opportunity at all for the Holy Spirit to speak through individuals. So this is one of the great flaws set up in the church today, is it changed from the instruction that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 14. So here I am, an apostle prophet. They're not going to let me speak. But God had a way. He put me on radio. He gave me messages at first, which were very popular. Taking thoughts captive, following God by His Spirit, dealing with depression, things like that. And people wanted to know those things. And I had increasing crowds at my meetings for quite some time. Then in 1982, I was having a meeting in Seattle. I was on the bus going back to the airport to fly to Dallas, and I heard these words. The foundation is laid. Now we're really going to move. I was on radio from coast to coast by then. The audiences were usually between 800 and 2,000 people. 
Now we're really going to move. It's so interesting because our ways are so different from God's ways and we can't even imagine what he is planning sometimes. Isaiah chapter 55. Start at verse 8. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The ways of God are not our ways. So God has told me now the foundation is laid. We're really going to move. And the next thing I heard from God is this. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Over and over, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. At the time I heard this, I was en route from Hobbs, New Mexico, where I had spoken to a small church group. I was headed back to Dallas, and I heard this over and over, all the way from the airport in New Mexico, or rather from the airport in Odessa, Texas, back to Dallas. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. I had no idea what that meant. But I was about to find out. After that, God began showing me sins in various ministries, big-time ministries. And I recorded messages for these ministers. Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, Kenneth Copeland, Robert Tilton, and sent these messages to them. I identified myself as a prophet of God in the cover letter. But I knew they weren't getting the message, except in the case of Robert Tilton, who knew me personally, and I know he got the message. What he did with the message, I learned from his office staff. Bob heard the message, he and Marty and some of the office people. And Bob took it out of the cassette player, took the tape, cut it in pieces, threw it in the trash can, and they 
danced around it, circling it and quoting scriptures to defeat the message. <laughs> well, they, they're not going to defeat the message. Basically, Bob had killed a prophet. What he did is, just before they went on the air on his television show, he told her, he said, one thing, Ava, don't mention anything about being a prophet. She called me after the show, and she was crying, and she told me what happened. I sent Bob a message saying, because you did this, your house will be left desolate to you. And that's exactly what happened to Bob's life. He and his wife divorced. He remarried. They divorced. He remarried. They divorced. His own church members sued him. Primetime Live, ABC Primetime Live, did an expose on him. It destroyed him. And then he went off to Florida to start another church group and got involved with infomercials, uh, some kind of a commercial type thing, which he uh, was really quite good at. But he turned it into a religious thing. And then he finally left Florida and bought a hotel in Culver City, uh, California. It was reported on Wikipedia that a, a reporter tried to go to one of the meetings, and there were about six people sitting around a conference table at the hotel. And as soon as they found out he was a reporter, they ushered him out of the room. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry to laugh, but I can just see this happening. But Bob's house was left to him desolate, and I certainly don't laugh about that. I couldn't get a message to Jim Baker or to Jimmy Swaggart. God showed me a scripture in the Bible where Alex, Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did us wrong. Beware of him. He greatly withstood our words. God used that to get me to do the following. I went on radio, my ra own radio broadcast, coast to coast, named the minister by name, told what they were doing that was wrong. Then they got the message. Instantly, Jimmy Swaggart, who owned the radio stations in Dallas and Houston that I was on, they put me off the air. KWJS was one of the ones Swaggart owned at that time. Other radio stations um, contacted me in Seattle. The radio station manager was waiting at the Seattle Center for me. When I arrived at the center, George said, Joan, you have so many good messages. Just speak those messages. If you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. God spoke through me to this radio station manager. I said to him, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. About half of my stations put me off the air. The others left me on. And I continued to speak whatever I felt God wanted spoken. This continued until the end of 1984. In 1984, I terminated the remainder of the broadcast and moved to close New Mexico to help with my mother. We still had quite a few radio audience that were communicating with me by U.S. mail, and I would send them writings and things.
But it was a really very hard time for me during those years. For I had been going all over the United States and speaking to radio audiences. And I loved doing it. And I now no longer did that. I did continue in writing. In the year 2012, God gave me a dream in the night. A woman was singing to a group of people. And I said, well, it's a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. And immediately God showed me a blog. And I knew I was to go on internet and write a blog. I contacted Pam Paget and asked her if she could set up a blog, and she said she thought she could. Within about three days, she had set up the blog in a couple of days, and by the third day, we were broadcasting, or rather writing on the blog. That started at the end of March in 2012. It was wonderful. It was a little voice, but it went all over the world, and it cost absolutely no money was perfect. And of course, there was no censorship. You can't have censorship if you're a prophet. It just doesn't, it wouldn't work at all. In 2015, I bought a new version of a Kindle tablet. And I didn't know how to use it, so I would ask Pam Paget. Well, first I tried reading the manuals for them, and I couldn't figure it out. So then I'd ask Pam, how do you do such and such? And she would send me an email and tell me. After about six emails stacked up, I said to Pam, we have a book here. We can t write a book for people who are non-computer people, and we can do a graphic book and show them every step of using a Kindle so that they can use a Kindle. So we contacted Amazon and we wrote a book, a graphically illustrated book on how to use a Kindle Fire tablet. While Pam was finishing all the technical work on the book, I was a little bored and I just told God, I said, I'm a little bored. And then the thought came to me Maybe you could write ministry books on Amazon. That was from the Holy Spirit. So immediately I began writing ministry books and published them on Amazon. Another way was made for God to speak the word through me, and that's by books. No censorship. It was completely free. So we published all these ministry books, a whole bunch of them on various subjects. People ordered them through Amazon. They were in ebook and they were in paperback, still are, ebook and paperback. Then in January 2020, Pam Paget awoke with the word podcast. She looked it up before she even got out of bed. She reached for a Kindle tablet and looked up podcast to see what it was. At that very same time, I had a desire to go back on radio. But by then, I'm 82 years old, and I wasn't sure my voice could hold up to radio. 
But when Pam told me about podcasts, I said to her, well, this sounds good. It was so different from radio in the sense that it wasn't a one-time broadcast. It was a library of messages. So anytime they wanted to, they could go through the whole library and select podcast and hear that broadcast. I thought that was excellent. We bought the recording equipment. Pam found out how to produce the podcast. We had a pod, we got a podcast host. The cost for the podcast is $100 per year. <laughs> I mean, it's just nothing. So basically, we have three avenues to distribute the Word of God that where we're free. I'm totally free to speak what God gives me without censorship. The blog, which goes all over the world, available to anybody and everybody by Internet. The Amazon books, and they even have a free book program where you can get free copies of books, e-books, electronic books free electronic books. We also have paperbacks, which the cost is as minimum as we were allowed to keep it. And then podcast, which is a verbal blog. No censorship, complete freedom. That's what prophets have to have. So there is a way, God made a way for me to speak where there was no way. First through radio, then later through blog, books, and podcast. And that's the way he does. When he wants to do something, he makes a way for it to be done. Ways that you don't even have any idea of the subject existing. I'd, I'd heard of a podcast. I'd paid no attention to what it was. But I had heard of it. And I'd heard of a blog, and I'd even seen a blog in that movie, Julie and Julia, about Julia Childs. And I, I loved that. The minute I saw her doing that blog, I just thought, oh, that's wonderful. She was typing it on this computer, and I thought, oh, I would love to do that, but I don't have any message, never dreaming of the ministry message on a blog. Huh? until God opened my eyes. But this is a story for you of how if God has shown you to do something, he makes a way for you to do it. One other example. In the year 2018, I lived by myself in Lubbock, Texas and had a fairly large house. And I began to have a desire to live in just one room with all of my things around me. A little before Thanksgiving of 2018, Pam Paget told me she was going to remodel her house in Colorado. She was going to put a bedroom downstairs and a bath downstairs. She had a half bath. But she was going to put a full bath downstairs so that if she became handicapped in any way, she could live downstairs. She didn't have any downstairs bedrooms. 
but she could turn a study into a bedroom, and then she could turn her half bath into a bedroom, I mean into a full bath. So she could have a downstairs bed area and a bath area. Now that was just before 2018, in 2018, just before Thanksgiving. Well, I thought it was a wonderful plan for her. On December the 6th, 2018, I fell at my house in Texas. I had a very, very serious fall. As the ambulance workers took me out the front door, I heard, you'll never see this house again. God had already put in my heart that I just couldn't continue to live alone. And I had a desire to live in a much smaller location in just one bedroom. You see where this is going. In the hospital, it came about, the idea came about to both Pam and me. Now she's 450 miles away, but it came to her and came to me for me to live in her house, in that room she built. And that's what happened. She came down to Lubbock and got me in February 24th, 2019, moved me by plane, commercial plane, to live in, to uh, Denver, where we drove to Colorado Springs. I have been here since that time. It's been wonderful. Pam and I work together on all of these writings. It's much easier to work when you're in the same house than when you're in different states. She has two big dogs, which I very much enjoy. She has two cats, which I enjoy, and I have my own cat, which Pam came down and brought to Colorado. We have the same spirit. That makes it work. We have the same spirit. So if we don't see things eye to eye, God will change one of us, and usually me. I'm usually the one who is changed, and we go the way Pam has suggested. But it works because we're the same spirit. It works because God planned it. You see, God does exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. But it's really interesting because I'm sure God put it in my heart to want to live in this one room and have my things in one room instead of being spread out all over my house and to not live alone anymore. I'm sure God put that in my heart before it ever came to pass. And he put it in Pam's heart to build this room downstairs and this bath, which would be critical because I could not get upstairs. God goes before us and plans it and makes the crooked way straight. What he did for me in this situation just shows that if he wants to do something, he has a way of doing it in your life and in my life. And all we do is move into the plan 
as the Holy Spirit brings us thoughts and desires to go that way. Usually, God puts his desire into our heart to take us in the way that he wants us to go. The desire is already there to want to do this thing. Thank you for letting me share this with you today.